Hi, this is Natalie Hoffman of FlyingFreeNow.com, and you're listening to the Flying Free Podcast, a support resource for women of faith looking for hope and healing from hidden emotional and spiritual abuse. Welcome to episode 52 of the Flying Free Podcast. Today, Becky and I are going to be answering four listener questions. And we got these questions. They're not recorded. We got them from the Flying Free Facebook page. So I just threw out this question and I said, hey, does anybody have any questions that they want to ask for the podcast? And I got tons of questions. So we had to pick four of them. So um, we did that. And we're going to answer those questions today. And if you are not familiar with the Flying Free Facebook page, just go to uh, Facebook and search Flying Free up in the top and you will see it. Um, it is a public page. So just be aware of that. If you do decide to follow it, if you like it or, um, you can, I think you can follow stealthily. I don't know. Do you know anything about that, Becky? I'm not really sure. I don't. I just know that if somebody is, uh, looking to find what you're writing, you don't post, um, yeah. Uh, join the private group <laughs> um, because they can find, anyone can find uh, your comments. Right. Yeah. So don't comment if you feel like someone might be seeing your stuff. So, um, and I think there is some confusion around that, around that Facebook page. So um, you do need to be careful, but I do post stuff every day over there, articles, not just mine, but other articles that I find on the web, quotes, memes, you know, just stuff like that. And, uh, and once in a while I ask a question and I get feedback from people that are over there. So um, yeah, if you want to private It's one place, of my top pages. <laughs> oh, well, thank you. It's, um, it's actually, <laughs> I was going to say it's one of my top pages too, but yeah, that's, that's <laughs> manage it though. Um, actually, it is one of my top pages because I get to talk with the people over there that are my kindred spirits. And that's who's over there. That's it's just, awesome. it's an amazing group. Um, but you have to be careful. If you want to be in a private group, Becky just mentioned, I don't have a, a private Facebook group anymore. I do everything in a private forum, community forum um, that this real, it's locked on the locked membership site and you'd have to join the flying free sisterhood to be part of that. That is going to be opening up again at the end of February. So if you're interested in learning more about that group, go to joinflyingfree.com and you will get all the details. Like it answers tons of questions. It gives you a bunch of people who have been part of that group for a long time and what they think about it. There's even some video testimonies there. Cause we got a, we got a bunch of us together last spring. We're going to do it again this year in, uh, North Carolina. And so I was able to interview some of those women in person, super fun. And that video's on that page. Um, so all the information that you need, as well as a link to sign up to get on the waiting list. And if you're on the waiting list, then you'll just, that just means you'll get an email from me when it opens up again. It usually just opens up for three or four days at the most. And then we're going to be closing it back down again um, so that we can just really focus on the people that are, that are new. Okay. So, but let's get started with our, our questions. Um, here's the first one. Are you ready, Becky? Yeah, I'm ready. <laughs> All right. Since a lot of abuse involves financial abuse, lots of us are short of cash. What are some good low cost ways that a survivor can move forward in the healing process? For example, they don't have money for counselors or therapists or even the flying free group. Okay. Yeah. So I would say, um, 
first of all, it's priorities. So I know we are all tied on cash. It doesn't matter kind of what stage of life you're in. It, it just seems that it's just expensive these days. But I think I would ask the question to myself, is there a resource that I've, I'm already interested in, like the Flying Free group, for, it would be for me. And okay, so I need so much a month, okay? And, and then I would go look at my budget and I would say, okay, I can do one of two things. I can either increase income or I can decrease an expense. And that's the decision-making process. There are tons of resources on Natalie's website and on uh, other websites. Um, I really like the Think Differently Academy. They only have one free thing on abuse, but um, you know, there's there's little things here and there that you can get as well. But but to me, the most healing has come through friendships. Yes, and so and that's and they're all online. Uh, because it's, it's kind of hard to, you know, strike up a conversation at the Kroger and find out that the woman behind you, you know, (laughs) went through the same thing. (laughs) So, so, um, and I was just going to give a couple examples, um, because I am, I work from home and I, um, my, my story was different than a lot of people. I had five kids in seven years. My husband refused to work my abuser, not my husband, my abuser refused to work. Mm. And so I was left raising five kids, homeschooling them and having to pay the mortgage and put food on the table. And so I, I always worked from home, but, um, I remember one year and I tell you what, I started simply, uh, I, I started, uh, I do do, I know coding and website designs, but before that I was really good at baking. And so I went and I just on the computer, really simple, created a little flyer that said, you know, because most women today that are working don't have time to bake homemade goods. And if you go to the store, a homemade cake is expensive. So what I did is I thought, well, I'm going to be the same price as the store. And I know I can make my, your margins on baking is incredible. And I didn't need a lot of money. Um, I had slimmed down my, my budget to bare bones. So I went to every door in my neighborhood and I passed out my flyers and I started getting orders. This is back when we still had phones that had cords attached, but (laughs) I would get the order. I'd get the date and I could not decorate a cake, but boy, I could bake cakes, pies, um, and I started baking danishes and tarts. And, you know, if anyone asked me for something, I'd be honest. I say, you know what? I haven't done that before, but let me, let me give it a try and I'll give you half price, you know, whatever. If you just need 20 bucks a month for some incredible life saving support or 30 bucks a month, um, you can, that's one cake. It's literally one or two cakes. And so that's just a simple thing. Maybe you're crafty. Maybe you hate the kitchen and but man, you love the needlework or uh, I know because a lot of us women, we tend to be, we're stay at home moms. And, and then like my girls, of course they're younger. So they're doing more of the modern stuff. I used to needlework. They're doing more of the looming and um, creating those wall arts with fabric and stuff. And, uh, but guess what you can make, it doesn't take long to make 20 or 30 bucks a month to put towards a counselor or an online support group. If you're wanting a counselor or a therapist that's like one-on-one in person, 
40 to hundred dollars an hour, uh, that's going to take a little bit more effort. And, and then I would also say, ask when you ask, um, when your friends say, what can I get you for your birthday or what can I get you for Christmas or your family does say cash, say, I, I really would like to go to therapy this year. I would like cash so that I can pay for that. And then you put that thing away in a little cookie jar and you go hire a therapist. So there's lots of ways you have to be creative, but listen, we are, we are creative. We have navigated abuse for years and that causes us to become so skilled. We are creative. We, we can see things from different perspectives. We're go-getters. So if you, if you really, really want to move forward in the healing process, just start getting creative. That was a beautiful answer. And I, I, there's so many, so I have a, I have so many things I want to piggyback off of that. Um, I, I totally agree with you that friends are where it's at and it's, it's such a bummer because when you go through this, especially when you start saying, okay, you start talking about separating or you start, which I probably don't recommend that you do until you're ready to do that. But your friends start, your, your super religious friends will start to abandon you. And, um, right. and a lot of us lost a lot of friends. You said most of your friends now are online. Most of my friends are online too. I have a couple of local friends, but. Um, and, and the friends that I have locally, um, except for one, do not understand. And that's part of healing, I think, is when somebody understands you. And a person who has had um, an amazing husband her whole marriage, who's never gone for, never wanted for anything. She's never had a financial struggle. She's never had a, a, a sickness struggle or they just don't get it. And it's, it's really hard to actually, you just don't get any support from that. Right. So I think what I actually am going to be talking about this, actually, by the time this podcast airs, it will have already been done, but at the time of this recording, I am going to be speaking next weekend at Bob Hamp, Bob and Polly Hamp's conference called Reclaim. And one of the things I'm going to be talking about at the very beginning is how we to heal. It's imagine that when you're unhealed, you're like a ghost. You're kind of a faded picture of yourself. And then when you're healed, you are in full color. You're solid. You're multidimensional. You are living your life. You are who God created you to be. You are who God created you to be when you're a ghost, but you're not living in that reality when you're a ghost. You kind of allowed yourself to get faded. You kind of hid yourself. Um, so the, the process of healing is coming to that place of actually becoming real, okay? And part right. of becoming real is having somebody mirror what you've experienced. So when Becky talks about you need someone to, um, who knows exactly what you've gone through, you need someone who can validate what you've gone through and say, yes, I know exactly what you're talking about. I went through that myself. And this is, and, and what you're talking about is real. You really went through that right. rather than, and what, and what so many victims have experienced is they go and they tell somebody on the outside what's happened to them. And they are told exactly what their abuser told them. No, that's not a big deal. That's not really real. You, right. That shouldn't really hurt. That shouldn't bother you. And you need to, why are you being so sensitive? Exactly. (laughs) And you are actually, they take a big eraser and they erase you even more than you had already felt before. And it's so, it's re-traumatizing. It's extremely traumatizing for anyone, child or adult to go through that, that kind of thing. So 
And I do want to put a little addendum, um, a therapist, a good therapist, and, and good, good is hard to find, but a good therapist, they don't necessarily have had to live through it, but they have enough training and they've seen enough clients to understand it. Yeah, although I haven't really experienced that in my... I had an amazing therapist. Oh, that's good. Yeah, I know he actually experienced it too, so... Well, I, um, yeah. So as far as the therapy part of it, I was going to say, and I'm sorry, I keep doing shameless plugs for flying free sisterhood, but it is an amazing (laughs) program and it provides both of these things. It provides the, the fellowship that you need, the, the validation that you need, but we also do coaching in there. So normally I would charge $125 for my coaching fee, probably more now because I have so much more experience at it. I, and I'm good at it. I'm good at coaching. And 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 when you find someone who's a good counselor or a good coach, you you know you want it. You're willing to pay for that. So I don't do any coaching though anymore. I decided not to do any private coaching and to focus on the women that are in that group. And so I do coaching inside of that group, and it doesn't cost anybody anything extra. So you pay the twenty five dollar fee a month. And you get coaching, you can come to one of four or all four coaching opportunities. They're called office hours a, a month. So four opportunities for that a month. And then one Q&A every month, a live two-hour two, Q&A. So you can ask questions and you can listen to other people get coached. Most of these women have the exact same problems and questions that you have. And it's just um, it's and it's a your, wonderful it's, resource. It's at their convenience too in many ways uh for me i live kind of out in the country somewhere exactly yeah Yeah. and and it could be something where something comes up and you're dealing with that emotion that trigger at that moment and you have a place to go get help immediately yep yes and the lot the the forum you can um some people just do, we've got lots lots of different topics in the forum, but one of them is just a dump. So you can just, it's called rant and raves. So you can just go on there and you can just rant and rave. There is absolutely zero judgment. You guys, I have never, ever seen anybody judge on anybody else. Okay. Never. So it is awesome. Um, but let's say I do know people, um, who absolutely have no wiggle room, like no, they're, they're barely making their mortgage payment. They're living on next to nothing. So a couple of suggestions that I would have for that is first of all, look to see, like Becky said, look to see if there's any ways that you can raise your income and whether that's, um, let's say that you're doing a job. Well, I'll throw out some ideas of jobs that actually pay better than like some office jobs or retail jobs waitressing or wait or serving in restaurants pays really good. And usually you can get a job right away because restaurants are not nicer. Restaurants aren't always looking because that most of the servers in nicer restaurants are career servers, but <clears throat> that's something that you could do. You could be a career server, but my daughter right out of the gate from high school went and got a, a serving job and she makes money hand over fist serving yeah. in a, just a local mom and pop pie shop. Um, and then another idea is, um, house cleaning, which I know, you know, some people might think, oh, that I'm not going to go and house clean, but house cleaning makes good money. You go very good leave flyers in wealthy neighborhoods in your area, or, you know, even if you have to drive a little bit and you will, I mean, we, 
I live in a pretty nice area, middle-class area in Rosemount, Minnesota, but there's a lot of apartment, like nice apartment buildings. There are people that if, if I lived in an apartment, I have a friend who lives in an apartment trying to make ends meet single mom. If I lived in an apartment, I would go to all the wealthy areas around me and I would drop off flyers and say, I can house clean for you. Here are my prices. And then I would do that when my kids were at school, I would go and house clean. And again, you can make really good money per hour. You can make $50 an hour doing house right. cleaning. Right. And that was my first job actually. Um, here to piggyback on that, I worked and cleaned offices at night. And so, you know, every situation is different. Sometimes you might have your kids at night. Sometimes you might not, but I got a company, they had, they had a lot of over uh, turnover. And so I just said, well, is it okay if I only work on these specific days? And, and I had to drive to, you know, the big city and, and I cleaned offices. I made about 40 to 50 bucks an hour though. I only did it a couple hours every day, but it was great paying. And I think it just takes, again, that creativity of just really looking. There's apps now where my brother babysat dogs on an app three or four people would come over in the morning and drop their dogs off. And he would, he already had a couple of his own and they would come in and out of the house. He had a big yard fence. He was making hand over yeah. fist money, just babysitting dogs. Or walking dogs. You could have a dog yeah. walking business. Um, you could even just babysit a couple of kids in your and, home. Babysit and then you family. use the internet care.com. I mean, not to put a plug for them, but that's where we found somebody to help us with our dog. That's where I look to help get somebody to help me with the house if I need to hire somebody to help do a thorough cleaning before um, a wedding. So yeah, lots of ideas. Okay. And then I was going to say too, so Becky started a little business in her home baking. I started a little business in my home um, making soap. And some people, I remember people, even after I, that business became a thriving business that made me great money over the course of 10 years though. So here's the thing too. It's a, it, it starts in increments. It doesn't start big. You know, you don't just jump in and go, oh, wow, I've got this great home business. It starts small and you work your butt off and then Mm -hmm. it, it grows. But um, I started and I didn't take any classes on how to make soap. I didn't, all I, I did everything on the internet. Everything I learned was from Google and YouTube videos. And I, and I, um, I started with just little dinky equipment and I started with just small little loaves and started by giving my soap away. Then I started by selling it for just really small amounts of money just to get people hooked on it. And then I used the money that I made to actually put it back into the business. So I never really made any money for about a year and a half because I would just take everything that I made and I'd buy better equipment and I'd make bigger loaves and, um, and better. And I got better and better at it until pretty soon I had a soap business. You can go look it up online. I sold that business. It belongs to someone else now, but it's called Apple Valley Natural Soap. And, um, it's 12 years old now and it's been going actually almost 13 years old now. And it's been going That's strong. Awesome. Yeah. You know what? One year the kids wanted to go to, uh, camp Christian camp in the summer. And, um, I, I didn't have two pennies to rub, rub together. So I just, I went to the Walmart manager and I said, um, my kids want to go to camp and I don't have the money. Do you mind if I set up a table and sell baked goods just for one day, one morning? And w- we lived out in, you know, in the, uh, not the sticks, but in a, in a suburb that was, uh, 
pretty far from the main city. Okay. And um, he said, sure. I cooked for three days. We made $1,500 in four hours. Wow. I know. And that I sent all, amazing. all the kids and the kids, the kids helped me and the kids understood like, okay, if we want to do something special, we have to give a little extra work towards that. So it was a good, it was good for all of us. That is a great story. That's a yeah. great story. Is this content resonating with you? I've written a book for women of faith and destructive relationships called, Is It Me? Making Sense of Your Confusing Marriage, A Christian Woman's Guide to Hidden Emotional and Spiritual Abuse. You can read reviews and find out more about my book on Amazon.com. It comes in paperback, Kindle, and Audible formats. And new for 2020, I've created a companion workbook for Is It Me? also available on Amazon. This workbook is like 11 power-packed therapy sessions to help you process through the important material you'll be learning from my book. These books are recommended by counselors and therapists all over the United States. I've also got a website specifically focused on helping women of faith find hope and healing. It's called flyingfreenow.com. I'll even give you the first chapter of my book and the first chapter of my companion workbook for free when you hop on my mailing list at the top of my website. Those two resources are going to help you figure out if your relationship is normal or destructive. And now, let's get back to our episode. (laughs) We're almost done with this podcast episode, and we've only done one question. I think (laughs) we're going to only get to two questions. Okay. Um, Is there one? I gave Becky the questions ahead of time. Is there one that you really want to talk about? I do. I want the one about when I went to my church. Okay. Read the, why don't you read, do you have the question in front of you? Or do I you? do. I do. Okay. Um, it says when I went to church, to my church for help in my emotionally abusive abandoned marriage, my pastor said that there are always two sides to every story that he couldn't choose sides. We're all sinners. And it is against the Bible for a woman to separate from her husband. He basically said that unless I had marks on my body to prove abuse, there's no way for him to know how best to advise me. How would you, in the moment of conversation, have responded, and how should I have responded? That is a great in-depth question, but I wanted to to really pinpoint a few things. Okay. Okay, first of all, obviously, what we know now, we did not know back then. So I'm going to say what I would have done, but... I don't know that I would have ever done that in the moment because I was, I was still in the cloud of abuse. Um, I would, I would never go to a pastor. Um, And I don't mean that all pastors are bad. What I mean is they are not trained. They don't understand it. And, and let me, let me just give you an example of, of what I read when I read this. Um, I have a problem with my car. It's the carburetor. Not that I know what that is, but let's say it is. (laughs) Now I am going to go, I'm not going to the Jiffy Lube and I'm not going to the local uh, mechanic shop. I'm going to the car wash. I'm going to go to the car wash and I'm going to expect them to fix my carburetor. Right. And that is exactly what it is when you're going to a pastor. Now there are a few and they're very rare pastors who have, who have taken strides, understanding, uh, you know, the responsibilities that are expected from a pastor, not that they are biblical, but, and, and has gotten uh, trained in these areas, but that's, I mean, you're talking like one in a million. Yeah. But again, so, and, and let me, um, and then the second thing I wanted to point out. So first of all, that's not even where you should be talking. 
And then the second thing is, one of the things I read in the question is the assumption that for some reason that pa- that pastor has power over you. Right. You know, if I come to Natalie, who's very skilled and trained in emotional abuse, and I ask her a question, none of us would think, well, she has the power to tell me exactly what to do and I have to obey it. Right. We would come knowing we're equals, but Natalie has more experience. She's wiser. She understands. She sees it from different perspectives. I'm coming to her to gather information so I can make an informed decision. It seems to me that we women think that somehow pastors and churches have this power to give us permission. And so when you're talking to your pastor next time, I want you to mentally think, I am equal to him. I am only asking him because he is more well-versed. He has more knowledge. And, and what you'll find is you'll instantly go, wait a minute. No, he's not. He has no idea anything about what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. So why would you go ask him? Why go to the car wash? Well, just the fact that they would say, you don't have marks in your body, so therefore you're not being abused. That just goes against all, mo- like that's, he doesn't right. even know the beginning of what exactly. abuse actually is. So how can he possibly help you with it? And with all that has been in the news in the last four years, with uh, whether it's Me Too or Harvey Weinstein or any of that stuff, what, does, does he not have a television? Does he not understand <laughs> that there's coercion, that there is, emo- you know, you have to literally be living under a rock not to know in this day and age that abuse is not physically hitting. I work with women of faith who have experienced emotional and spiritual abuse. That's where all my research is. That's where all my work is. So, and I can tell you that emotional abuse is present in all, in every other kind of abuse. It's present in sexual abuse. It's present in physical abuse. It's present in financial abuse. And spiritual abuse, you will always find spiritual abuse wherever anyone is using religion. This actually answers one of the other questions. So we won't bring up the question, but it actually touches on it. Wherever people are using God or the Bible or anything of a religious nature to manipulate or or cause another human being to do something that they want that person to do. So in other words, well, God says that you should do this. So therefore you should do it. That's spiritual abuse. Now you can say, a pastor can say, you know, this is what God's word says, but it's, it turns into abuse when they say, and so therefore you have to do it because that's taking away the other person's power. All right. You can't do that. God gives us all autonomy to make our own decisions. And, and yeah. Exactly. I was going to say, if I had to respond, here's my snarky response. Okay. Oh, good. <laughs> um, so essentially he's saying, uh, when he says he has to listen to two sides to every story, I would have snarkily said, uh, do you say that to rape victims too? And just let just like mic drop walk away. Now that's me being snarky and yeah. I try not to do that. But in, But to be honest, what I would have said is, you know, I, I don't think you understand uh, what's happening in my home. And I think it takes a professional who understands what's going on. And although I appreciate your advice and I appreciate uh, that you probably have the best intentions, this is outside your wheelhouse. And so I'm going to go and I'm going to get professional help and I'm going to make decisions that are best for me and my children. 
And I hope you can respect and support that. And that the response of the pastor at that point is going to tell you if you need to just get out of Dodge. Because most of the time, men who believe that women are subservient, and and one of the things he's saying is he does believe that women are second and that you have no autonomy. They they can't handle it. So they're going to get angry. They're going to cause you other problems. Um, And I've seen it time and time again. Men cannot, pastors and men cannot handle, who have this belief system, a woman standing up and showing her autonomy. So when you show up and you're no longer opaque, like Natalie was describing, you're full color and you're telling them what you're going to do and you're telling them where they are in your life and they're not telling you that, that's when you're going to know, is this somebody I can really trust or is this something I need to get out of Dodge? Because a true, a, a real man who is also a real person and real, like Jesus Christ in full color and full multidimensional and no longer in his own shame is going to embrace and love you in full color. Whether it's your pastor, your husband, your neighbor, they love all human beings in their full color. It doesn't matter if you have a penis or not. Okay. It doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter how if you, what your social status is or what your financial status is or what color you are, what country you come from, they will embrace other human beings in their full color. And that's when you know you're safe. Because they think at the end of the day that we're all equal, that they are no better. Exactly. Exactly. So a man who says, I have to hear both sides of the story and and it's against the Bible for women to separate and I could go on and on about how this man probably has never actually read or studied the Bible uh, in any way, shape, or form because it's such a surface reading. Yeah. Um, but no, they believe that they have the right to power over you. Yeah. And, and that is not Jesus. That's right. You know, the other thing too, I think just to, this isn't something that I would say to that pastor, but I think we all need to understand. Well, I guess you could say this. There are two sides to every story, but when you have an abusive situation, I mean, you could say this, you could say, you know, you're right. There are two sides in an abusive relationship. One side says I I'm being hurt. This person is hurting me in different ways. And the other side says his story is no, that's not true. Those are the two sides. Those are the two sides. So you have to decide which side you're going to believe, which story are you going to believe? Because one of those, they're opposites. So what they can't both be true at the same time. And that's what I think some pastors think, oh yeah, we can put those two things together and we can say, we can validate the woman. Oh yeah, I know you're really hurting and we can validate the man. Yeah, you probably didn't need so, but here's how they put it together. You really didn't mean to hurt her. And you're taking it a little bit too far and getting too sensitive and you need to kind of calm down. Because at the end of the day, they really believe. And there's, I mean, when you look at Christian counseling, educational materials and books, they come in with two flawed ideas. One, there's never a victim and a perpetrator. Both are, both are wrong. No matter what, both people are sinners. And so therefore they're both wrong. Yep. And then the, the second thing, and I honestly, I just forgot it, <laughs> but that would be the most important. I remember um, 
and, and I've, I've used the, so a rape victim is wrong a lot because that's the one that kind of stops people in their tracks when they say there's two sides to every story or there's always, yeah. both people are always wrong. And then they say, well, you're talking about like somebody perpetrating a violent act upon somebody else. And I said, yeah, it's called abuse. And it's what's ex- what I experienced in my marriage. It wasn't physical all the time. It was, but it was uh, violating me internally. Yes. Um, so anyway, yeah. Yeah. Well, anytime that anyone is being erased on a regular basis, that is definitely a vile, a violent violation because being erased is they're killing you. They're murdering you. And well, even the Bible even said, Jesus said, you know, if you hate someone, you are murdering them in your heart. Mm -hmm. That's what it is. They're, they're murdering you in a very, in a way that nobody else can really see. And even the victim is not really even aware that they're slowly dying. And it doesn't, so it affects their psyche and their emotions, it affects their spiritual life, but it also affects them physically. And that's a whole nother topic for another time of how the, you know, the physical ramifications of emotional abuse. But anyway, this was a great episode. Becky, I always love talking with you and I'm super glad that we got to just talk the two of us. And um, thank you so much for being on the flying free podcast and we'll do it again. Okay. Thank you. Enjoyed it. And to the rest of you, thanks for listening and until next time, fly free.